there's always an action attached to that, you know. Lazarus could have stayed in the tomb, I guess. And the guy on the mat could have stayed in the mat, I guess. But they chose to listen to the voice of God that says, move. It's time to change. It's time to get out of your comfort zones. It's time to get out of your, your dead zone, I call it, and, and do something yeah. different. You know, if what you're doing ain't working for you, maybe this is a message that people need to hear. Do something different. Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. For this episode of Along the Way, I'm joined by Dr. Mark Sherwood. His story will inspire you to make a healthy pivot in life when God leads you to. You are going to enjoy this episode. I'll get to our conversation in just a moment, but I want to thank you for listening to Along the Way. I hope that you like what you hear and that you subscribe. You can connect with me online as well. All of my socials and contact links are in my show notes. And you can check out all of my episodes at my website, alongtheway.media. I would love to hear from you. I've also started a Patreon page for people who want to help me continue to put out these Along the Way episodes. If you'd like to become a Patreon, simply go to patreon.com slash along the way and select a level. The link to become a Patreon supporter is also in my show notes. This episode is sponsored by Crave Frozen Desserts, which is by far my favorite ice cream. Andy Gavain has been a friend of mine for many years, and he seriously makes some of the best stuff around. All of his flavors are excellent, and this week I recommend his Spring Fever, which is a unique mix of vanilla and lavender with a touch of honey. Very refreshing on a hot day. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, then you are in luck. Crave Frozen Desserts is open 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, and they are located at 751 Pittsburgh McKeesport Boulevard, Dravosburg, PA 15034. I'll put a link to their Facebook page in the show notes, and tell them that you heard them from Along the Way. Along the Way is also honored to be a part of the Charisma Podcast Network. You can find tons of spirit-filled content from their over 100 podcasts. Go to cpnshows.com to see the full list of shows and their latest episodes. I'm also doing one of the Monday through Friday news stories for the Charisma News Podcast. There are new episodes of Charisma News Monday through Friday. And now, here's my Along the Way conversation with Dr. Mark Sherwood. Dr. Mark Sherwood, it's great to have you on Along the Way. You and I have been friends for a number of years now. You and your wife, Dr. Michelle, have been up to the Cornerstone Studios with the Real Life program. And... It's great to be able to have you on along the way talking about health and how God has led you to where you are now. Well, it's great to be here, John. It's really a treasure uh, to have you as a friend, and uh, I'm really extremely honored to be on along the way with you today, so it's it's awesome to be here. Yeah, we've had some great conversations in car rides together and just some of the, some of the times that we've been able to spend together. You have a very interesting story. You were in law enforcement, and now you're you're a health and wellness expert. That's where the doctor part comes in. But you're also a Christian, and you serve the Lord, and you want people to live up to their their fullest. And so I'm excited to hear what God has put in your heart. I know a good bit of your journey, but I want to give the audience an opportunity to hear your story. So, Dr. Mark, would you please tell me about your journey with the Lord? Yeah, so, you know, I, I, as a lot of stories go, I, I grew up exposed to Christianity, but not really knowing Christ, you know, knowing uh, about Him, but knowing Him on a personal level is quite, quite different, you know. So, um, my parents, thankfully, uh, brought me up in the uh, quintessential Christian home. Father was the chairman of the deacons. My mom played the organ and I've said it before, the only drug problem I've ever really had was being drugged to church all the time. So I was I was there, you know, and um, but something began to happen and stir in my heart as I heard message after message about how, you know, Jesus, this uh, that God sent his son, Jesus, to earth to die for me and how that he paid the price, that death that he died for me personally and how he rose again and, and how I could have that concept of eternal life if I just believed that he died for me. And at eight years old, John, it, it didn't take, and I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. I realized that time what sin was. I realized that no one taught me how to lie to my parents. No mm -hmm. one taught me how to be selfish. No one taught me how to sometimes wish retribution on my friends or get them back for something they'd done for me or call them names. I realized what sin was, and I realized that no matter how I tried, no matter how good I wanted to be, and no matter how good I thought I was, I couldn't 
earn my way to heaven or merit my way to heaven. And I had to believe that Jesus died for me. And that reality of sin struck me. At eight years old, it was real. And I realized that Jesus really died for me. And even though at eight years old, I hadn't committed that many sins, I'm sure comparatively if I were 50, but the bottom line is sin is sin. And I realized that in that simple little message that day, not because the pastor talked about to me, but I heard God speak to me in my heart. And you can't explain that to people unless you've been through it, obviously. Mm-hmm. That day, I, I just, I surrendered my life to Jesus that day by simply confessing with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord, my Lord, personal Lord. And then he died for me and I believe he was alive. And that's as simple as that was. And my life has not been the same since because since then um, I've had the presence of God with me and in me. And no matter, you know, good or bad, you know, indifferent or not, or struggles or not struggles or peace or calamity, whatever it was, he's always been with me every step of the way. And he's never let me down. And, that is a journey that continues on. I mean, it was it was a sweet early beginning, and I'm grateful for that because a lot of people don't have that reality of knowing who Christ is in that intimate level at that age. So I'm grateful for that. It's been, you know, now I've been a Christian for 47 years. It's a long time. That's yeah. a long time. And uh, nonetheless, it's, it's sweeter every day, John. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how did you go from being eight years old to finding your calling? Because that's always a, a big thing that people are trying to figure out. Okay, God, yes, I receive you, Jesus, but what is it that you want me to do? What have you designed me for? Well, it's funny. We were just talking about that today in a staff meeting. How do you know what God's will is for your life? And and I'll share with you the same scripture that sort of became um, real to me along the way. You know, it's Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where we're supposed to present our bodies as living sacrifices, which, you know, is the reasonable act of worship. And then we're not to conform any longer to the world, but be renewed, our mind needs to be renewed every day. So that then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's 12 and 2. And I, I paraphrase it a little bit, but the point being, the first thing is we need to be willing to give ourselves up you know, to, mm-hmm. to sacrifice our very lives for the cause of Christ. So that means that it's all about selflessness. It's all about right. giving up self. And that's the first priority. Second priority is be willing to listen to God as he renews your mind. And if we will just do those things, give up ourself, begin to listen to God at that time. And only I like how the scriptures and then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that goes for all of us on a daily basis. And the more that I find myself giving up self, and I don't have it figured out, so I just want people to know that. It's just, the more I give up self and the more I begin to listen to God and quit talking so darn much, mm-hmm. you know, he fills me up and he gives me his will and He's he'll clarify your journey more and more. And we've got to be willing to take the first step when God gives us that step, even though we might not have it all figured out or might not have the whole way mapped out for us. But the willingness comes by our willingness to give up self. Yeah. And so how did God lead you specifically? Because you had a career in law enforcement before you became Dr. Mark that I know. Yeah. So law enforcement was a calling as well. I think it's certainly every step along the way of our journey in life, you know, is a is a place of learning. It's a, it's a destination, but not a final destination, if you will. And so certainly being called to law enforcement was a, a call to understand, first and foremost, what it means to protect and serve. And that I am not better than anybody else. Only for the grace of God, I'm capable of doing anything, both good and bad. And I think we need right. to all understand that. And so I learned in law enforcement through 24 years of that, that people need help. They need to be uh, protected. Order needs to have, uh, you know, a place in our lives, and we need to have rules. And I realized that in that journey that I could uh, certainly communicate with people in a way in the worst time of their life and be a a sense of hope for them. Mm -hmm. And that sense of hope, it took root in me, man, and it, it like it drove me harder because I realized that the more I could become a hope dealer, 
the more people could have hope. So if I could deal hope to them, give them something to hang on to, a, a sort of peace, then they could change. And then as I got into more of my career, I was put into eventually a, a place of authority over a lot of people. And I had to understand why were my own people in that, I was, that was working for me. I was asked the question, why are they getting so sick and why are people dying when they leave police work? And I realized that stress was a big deal, uh, diet was a big deal, and uh, just dealing with uh, that hope concept was a big deal because when people lost their career, they lost their hope, they lost their life, they lost their identity. And then God led me down the pathway in the next destination to that being a naturopathic doctor where the concept of protection and service got bigger, of course, Mm -hmm. because still not Mm – doing anything different and the concept of being able to give hope got larger as well so it was just it was kind of a uh, an evolutionary sort of development in the call of god in my life and uh, you know when he first started talking about the health concept john i was like no way i don't want that at all because i'm dealing with people's uh, I'm getting in their kitchen, so to speak. And it was right. like, man, that's going to get uncomfortable because what we talk about in the body of Christ is typically not physical health oriented at all. It's a sort of this thing that's put to the side and it's a, it's a, it's an area that's not discussed. We don't want to go there because, oh my goodness, we don't want to talk about the, the that there's no such thing as a donut ministry. We don't want to hit that. <laughs> And yet we need to because, John, people need need to be healed. The last I checked, um, Jesus talked about when he was walking the earth, he didn't manage diseases. He hmm. healed people. The disciples didn't manage diseases. They healed people. Healing occurred through them based upon God's power in the name of Jesus invoking that. And I, I think that's where we need to get back to these days because there's really no – and I hope people don't take this wrong – there's really no difference today in the health status of the church versus the health status of the world. They're the, they're the same, and mm-hmm. we need to blend out more, and we need to have hope that people want to have what we have. Yeah, people definitely want to have what we have if we've got the right thing. Yes. You know, we, as the body of Christ, can present an out-of-shape body, and that's not what God wants us to do. I mean, I'm talking about the body of Christ as a whole, not just our physical bodies, but our, also our physical bodies. We need to be, by our relationship with God, That's that should be something that provokes people to jealousy. They want what we have. And so I want to hear more about this career, this career shift because, I mean, you were in law enforcement. You were a SWAT officer, if I remember correctly. Um, how long was your career in the law enforcement? And then how did you know that, okay, God's calling me in a different direction because that's, I know a lot of guys, that's like a really hard thing to give up and to shift your identity. Yeah, it was challenging. I was in law enforcement, uh, for 24 years and really had worked every element, including the SWAT team for a decade of law enforcement, you know, on the streets, detective internal affairs, uh, training, et cetera. And um, as my last eight years, I was assigned to the police academy in charge of training and hiring, um, uh, you know, some elements of community relations and recruiting and all that kind of stuff. And it was a, it was an eye opener because I got to know the community better like that, you know, and I began to see um, that law enforcement uh, really uh, was was meant to provide hope, but I watched the persons that were inside of law enforcement not have much hope. And I began to look at things differently and see things differently and realize that, you know, the people in law enforcement, the people in non-law enforcement, they're the same. They're always looking mm-hmm. for the same thing here. They're looking for hope. And and truly, um, God spoke to me one day in a, in a, in a vision, and this is, I'm not making this up. This really happened to me. I kept a... Um, a notepad next to my bed, right? And I was told by a pastor sometime in a sermon, I don't remember who, who it was, to that God would speak to you in a dream and a vision and says, keep a pen and paper handy. Well, mm-hmm. that went on for years. And I kept that pen and paper there by my bed and it got dusty. And, and God didn't speak to me like that. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, this is not happening, you know? And uh, I kept that there until it got dusty, and I was stubborn. I had a, I had a pen, just like the pen I'm holding in my hand right now, that I would put in the same dust spot every day, and I never cleaned it and <laughs> frustrated. 
And then one night I had a dream, John, that I was, um, I was riding on a pad and I was leaning over my bathroom counter. And it was one of those dreams you remember. And, and this was probably about 15 years ago now. And the next morning I woke up and I can remember this dream. I thought, that's weird. I was riding on a pad. You know, what is this? And then the more I woke up from my sleep at that early morning hour, you know, how you're dreaming that last little bit. You don't want to wake up. Right. I thought, oh, my gosh, was that real? And then that whole sermon that God will speak mm-hmm. to this and came back to me. And I looked over to my left and the pen that I had in the same spot. It was sitting in a different location, and I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, what just happened? Am I losing my freaking mind? You know, I was right, like, right. this is crazy. And John looked over, and there was writing on that notepad, and I still have it. It was crazy. I read, I picked it up, and I was, like, literally um, trembling because I thought, I can't, I can't believe this. And I haven't told many people this story, but this is really what happened. Yeah, yeah. The words on that paper were, were in part as follows. My people have lost their power. They've lost their power because they've lost their peace. They've lost their peace because they've neglected the physical peace of life. And he gave me scriptures, Matthew 22, 37 to 39. We're to love the Lord of God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. That's the first command. The second is like it. Love our neighbor, comma, as ourself. And the Lord went on to tell me that we've forgotten how to love self. So therefore we haven't loved our neighbor. We're missing that part of our life. We're not at peace anymore. And therefore we lost our power to truly love people the way God wants to, because we've neglected to take care of our physical temple. That's not ours. That was bought with a price. And it was very stern warning that the Lord gave. And he said, I want you to carry that message to the world. And I'm like, okay, now, wait a second. So I put the thing away for like a year. I didn't want to deal with it because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about a message that's very uncomfortable, that's very uh, conflicting to our current culture. And it that's how it started. Um, but a year later, um, I had some things happen in my life that were traumatic. And it, when you have trauma happen, it will pull up the weeds, man. It will pull up the call and it will yeah. say, when you have nothing left, you always have God. So God began to pull that thing up again. And I found that paper. I put it in an envelope, <laughs> you know, hoping it would go away. Uh-huh. And I said, all right, God, I'm going to, okay. So I told some friends at work, I was going to go back to school and they used even several expletives and thought I'm an idiot, you know, yeah. cause I was too old to go back to school. And frankly, I'd forgotten how to study. Um, but nonetheless, I was convinced that I heard God speak to me. And when God speaks to you and you don't deny it, nobody can take that away. And so mm-hmm. I thought, okay, God, I'm going to trust you at your word. And I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. And you're going to have to show me where to go because I got no idea what I'm doing here. And so I felt like Abraham at that point, you know, just go. Okay, cool. So I, I decided to go. I decided to go back to school and uh, pursue. How old are you at this point? Yeah, I was uh, in my, let's see, I'm 55 now. I was about 40, about 45 years old. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's a little bit older than our school. Yeah, yeah. So, I got after it, man. I started taking online classes as fast as fast as I can. Then I decided to, to uh, turn in my retirement papers. And even while I was, you know, kind of exiting out of the system, you know, I was still taking classes and still studying the whole time. And, um, you know, went on and, and uh, pursued and obtained, uh, you know, my degrees and, um, you know, and then just kind of dove in head first. And uh, we've been going ever since and uh, haven't backed away. And I've seen some amazing things happen. You know, I've seen diseases get reversed. I've seen healings occur. I've seen people get off medications with uh, situations that they were told they can't. And um, I can't argue with someone's story like that. So sometimes I don't know why they get better, but I know they do. And so I feel like that um, the blind man that was healed, I don't don't know, but now, now they see. So I don't know. Right. But. You yeah. can't argue with that. So it's been um, an absolute journey. Now, I've been surprised at people that 
didn't accept that message. And I've been surprised at people that did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a whole, a whole different angle, but, um, but it's been a journey to say the least. Yeah. So how long have you been uh, practicing? Yeah. Uh, we've been practicing my wife and I sort of, we started practicing even as I was finishing school, but then, uh, for the last, um, probably six years, I guess now. Yeah. Wow. And so you teased me with some testimonies, uh, just yep. that there were some testimonies. Oh, yeah. I want to hear how God is using you in that, in that way to provide yeah. it. Um, we have people come to us that have been, um, that have been exhausted by, um, and, and again, we're not against conventional medicine. We're, we're saying that, you know, some of the most brilliant people in the world are, are dealing with acute care situations. But we're, the blind spot is we're not dealing with upstream stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have people come to us with uh, all kinds of diseases, such as heart disease and um, you know uh, autoimmune conditions that are not supposed to be able to be reversed. Yeah. Give you one story. A gentleman comes in. This is this is within the last um, eight months. He lived what he thought was a decent life. He was eating better than most people, and he had a normal weight. He had an event. He had a heart attack. Hmm. Um, he was told that he was going to be on um, drugs for the rest of his life and that you just had to manage this and just uh, probably have another event because once you have one, you're going to have another one. The odds increase. Um, He tries that pathway for a while. No one talks to him about upstream processing at all. And eventually he shows up at our office. We run his um, blood work, which is a comprehensive sort of functionally oriented lab. Um, His markers are all messed up. Sure enough, he's got heart disease. Hmm. We put him on a program. We incorporate the spiritual aspect of things through prayer and really believing that um, God could heal this man. Three months later, all of his blood work is normal. All of it. Every bit of it. And I'll give you three months. Three months later. One marker is a chronic systemic inflammatory marker. His was over 80. And it's supposed to be less than one. His was over 80. Okay. And he, he tells a story. He can't believe it. He said three months later, it was below one at 0.6. So his chronic systemic inflammation, which is a part and parcel of every disease process, John, was gone. Hmm. All of it. The guy has a perfect blood panel. He walks around. He's on no medication whatsoever. He feels great. He's doing well. And to hear him talk, you know, when he says it, I had heart disease and now I don't. And, and that's a shocking story to many people, but there's no evidence of it. So you can't, there's, you know, yes, he had an event. You can't deny that, mm-hmm. but there's no evidence right now in any sort of diagnostic work that he has the same processes going on that caused the event in the first place. And and that's yeah. a unique, not a unique story. We see that happen quite a bit. We see the same happen with autoimmunity, certainly with this concept of type 2 diabetes, that happens all the time. We reverse that. That shouldn't be a disease process. But the point being, we see those stories a lot that occur. And we've got just outside my office down the hall, a big um, glass sort of vase full of pill bottles that just fills up, runs over the top, we throw them away, fill it up again. And it's a pretty glorious process to watch that thing fill up. I like that. And those are pill bottles of patients that no longer need their prescriptions. Is that correct? Yes. Wow. So I like what you said. You're, you have a, a natural approach, but you also mm-hmm. have a spiritual approach. How yeah. do you connect the two? Because that's something that you don't normally hear about because most doctors want to deal with the natural. They want to prescribe things. They want to change the regimen. They want to do different things. How do you bring in the spiritual thing? And how can somebody that's listening to that start with that spiritual aspect? Well, first of all, um, we're not afraid to invoke God's name, the name of Jesus. We're not afraid to do that. And secondly, he is the great physician. He's the CEO of our business. We've, we've fired him from hospital situations. We've fired him from schools. We've fired him from government. And probably fired him from churches a little bit here and there, you know. And we really mm-hmm. got to put him back on his place, back on the throne that he's supposed to be in. And so when people come in, what we do is we, we ask them, quite frankly, what do you believe? Are you a praying person? Fair question. If they say no, we say, well, we are. Just want you to know that. Right? And then nobody's going nobody's gonna to, like, say, well, don't pray for me. You know, I've had many people that are atheists that would, would 
email me or text and say, hey, you know, you think you can pray to your God for me, please? And pray, and yeah. pray. But that's where we go. And if they say, yes, I'm a praying person, we're going to say, okay, do you believe that God wants you to live and be well? Right. And they're going to say, well, yes. Okay. So if you believe that, I believe that, that means that we're going to agree right now that his will will be done. Mm-hmm. And when our will correlates well with his will, then his will is going to be done because it's his will. And if it's his will, then do you believe that God's going to give you the power from him to execute his will? Well, yes. So in other words, it's not about our willpower, is it? It's about God's willpower. And if we'll just transfer our thinking that way, and then we absolutely make sure that when people are here, we will feed them in every little teaching session we have here. Whether we're going over lab work, we'll talk about a spiritual principle within that and give them a scripture or two and, and a sort of a, a, a parable that they can relate to. And um, you know, one parable I'll just give you did kind of make sense. Yeah, please. When Jesus walked into the, and, and this is how he communicates the way with our physical body to us. When Jesus walked into the temple in Jerusalem, when he was walking the earth, he saw something in the foyer, if you will, that disturbed him quite greatly. It was the money changers. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And he, he drove them out. He said, get out of here. You know, you've made my father's house a den of thieves. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. And we stop. The story stops right there, doesn't it or not? What goes on after that? Well, pay close attention. That was in the temple, right? And and let's pretend you're a patient and say, John, now that's in the temple, right? Now, what is the temple today? What would you say? Our our spirit, our, our, our body is the temple. A body, that's where the Holy Spirit lives. Well, what did Jesus do in the temple that was unique after he drove them out? Not before, but after. The blind and the lame were healed in the temple immediately after. So therefore, we can say that in the temple, which represented the presence of God, healing takes place in the presence of God. So if God lives in the temple, and we know the temple is now our physical bodies, then healing takes place in the presence of God, which is our physical bodies. Right? Does that make sense to you? And so we have to have the mind of Christ— to not allow anything to get inside of our bodies that destroys God's ability to have the fullness of his activity available to execute healing within those bodies to bring glory to him. So our physical bodies, therefore, are just simply a representation of God on the earth. That's it, bottom line. And if we can just sort of grasp that concept, and it's a little bit of a deep concept, but we can go, oh, you mean that my body is supposed to be a representation of the temple of God on the earth where he represents and manifests himself? The answer is yes. Make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, as you're talking about that, I just I feel led to ask, how reliant are you on the Holy Spirit for helping with diagnosis and helping create these plans? And yeah. what has the Holy Spirit ever like given you something and you're like, I wouldn't have thought about that if it wasn't the Holy Spirit? Every day. I have a prayer behind me on the board back here that says, I'm paraphrasing again, Father, teach me the human body. Teach me how to heal the human body. Teach me the protocols, the processes, the the ways that I need to understand to bring healing to your people. And I say that every day, whether out loud or to myself. Many times I have no idea what is really a diagnosis with people. They'll come in with all these symptoms and great, I take a good history. My wife takes a good history. But let's face it, only God knows the intricate processes of his human body. Mm-hmm. I don't profess to be a master diagnostician, but I do profess to know the one that is. And many times I, I ask him, what should I do? What do I do? And he gives us things and processes and protocols to do that sometimes to some might seem pretty basic, but people get better. And they come in and they're like, man, you guys are so smart. You're awesome. Thank you for that. I feel so much better. I'm healed. Praise the Lord. And I'm like, thank you, God, that you gave me the answer. <laughs> I had no idea what was really wrong with this person. So to that end, we even teach people to not really in their own life look for what is wrong. We mm-hmm. need to begin to look for what is right. The, the question of what is wrong with me is a little bit contrary, isn't it? 
It should be what is right with me. Okay. It gets our focus in the right direction. So it, Holy Spirit is everything. I cannot do anything without him. But with him, everything can be accomplished through a simple life life, a simple life like mine. Everything in a story. People can get healed, not because it's Mark, not because it's Michelle, not because we're doctors, because we're willing vessels to be used by God as an instrument to him. And that's the, the whole epitome of the anointing of God. And we have to be willing to allow us to become conduits of the flow of his healing power through us. Because, again, when we're connected with individual people, we do provide an, a conduit, an avenue of hope and healing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we do provide that. And we're agents of healing in this world. Yes, we um, are. You know, we are in this world, but we are not of it. And if we're not of it, then we can bring, we can bring God's light and his love and his healing power to this world, just like we read in the book of Acts, just like we read in the Gospels. And that's so powerful that God enables us to be empowered with his Holy Spirit. You know, as we were talking, I was just reminded of the story of, I believe it was the blind man at the near the Pool of Siloam. Mm. And you know, the guy asks to be healed, and, and Jesus spits in the dirt and makes mud and then puts it on the guy's eyes. Yeah. And But Jesus has the guy then go wash his eyes off. Yep. And he he has the guy do something with that. Yep. You know, I, I believe when Jesus put the, put the mud on the guy's eyes that he was healed. Yes, sir. But I believe that Jesus wanted him to wash that off because he had to be a part of that too. You know, there, there's... There's part of our healing that we need to be a part of, and um, yeah. can you can you just kind of talk about that because I know that's a big part of what you guys do. Yeah, in every literally every healing you look at, Old Testament, New Testament, there's, there's an action that follows that. It's like the that that concept of the faith without works is dead. You know, like the 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 guy with the messed up arm. He, you know, Jesus said in the temple, "Stick out your arm." You know, he had to stick out the arm. Mm -hmm. The blind man was was sitting by that pool every day waiting for somebody to heal him. And 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 Jesus said, you know, go get that guy and bring him here. So the guy had to throw off his cloak and change positions. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we had the guy, as you mentioned, that, um, you know, that, that Jesus put the mud on his eyes and go wash. We got Naaman, you know, go wash. And there's right. always action that takes place, you know. And when we're talking about the healing of, of God, and it's like we've missed part of, John, the responsibility we have where our faith in God has to be tangentially and eternally joined with an action to willing to step out there and do it. Mm -hmm. um, for example, it is God's will that we feed it nutrients that are provided for on this earth that bring life and healing and function of the body the way God intended. Otherwise, why would he have created plants for Adam and Eve in the first place? You know, mm -hmm. why did he tell them to go eat? Because there were things in there that were good for the human body. We have to take that action. When we're unwilling to, how can we expect the fullness of God to work when we say, you know what, God, I know you want me to eat those things, but I don't want to, so I'm going to put this in here, and I want you to fix it. Well, again, that's kind of treating God like a sugar daddy instead of the God he is. And so, you know, it's our actions and our responsibility, personal responsibility, we must get back, listen to God's command, believe again, it's his will that we walk well and healthy, that he gives us the mechanism to do that, but he's always going to ask you to, to join with him in that process. That's why he, he says to people, do you, what do you want me to do? Do you really want to be healed? Really? Mm. Well, if you do, go ahead. If you do, do this. You know, like the, the, the guy that was lowered in the mat down through the the roof, you know, we'll get up, you know, we'll yeah. get up. What about the, the people that hey, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. There's always an action attached to that. You know, Lazarus could have stayed in the tomb, I guess. And the guy on the mat could have stayed in the mat, I guess. Mm -hmm. But they chose to listen to the voice of God that says, move. It's time to change. It's time to get out of your comfort zones. It's time to get out of your, your dead zone, I call it, and, and do yeah. something different. You know, if what you're doing ain't working for you, maybe this is a message that people need to hear. Do something different. Because mm -hmm. the definition of the same thing, expecting a different result, Einstein said was what? Insanity. And isn't that where the devil wants us to live in insanity and confusion? 
and Absolutely. frustration and bitterness. It's time to do something different as a world. Time to do something different as people. And maybe, just maybe, I say that facetiously, but also on purpose, we'll discover and understand God's healing more in our lives. So, Dr. Mark, I know each person that you deal with, you've got to treat them individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because there's not a one pill covers everything type thing. And that's not what we're talking about. But there are great principles that you've seen that when people put into effect in their lives, they start to see some some good results on a, on a pretty quick basis. And I've learned through my, my time with having a life coach, whenever you set goals that are small and attainable, you get addicted to achieving those goals. And it makes it easier for the next one because you know that Hey, I can do this. I did it before and I can I can attack this next goal as well. What are some goals that we can set to kind of reset our health mindset? Well, I think the 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 overriding principle is this. Success breeds success. Small steps leads to other bigger steps. So, like you said, we got to start small. I like to divide the 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 system into four areas: physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. And I want to have something small to do every day in these four areas, physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual. Physical. I set a goal. I want to I want to walk 15 minutes. Walking's good, simple, but good. I want to make sure that I get two to three servings of vegetables every day. Right? Big deal. Emotional. I want to spend time getting some sleep and stuff like that. Because when I'm not emotionally well and I'm getting lack of rest, I'm going to be edgy. So I want to make sure that I I get my emotions squared away. Intellectual. I need to read something intellectually stimulating. So I'm going to take 10 or 15 minutes to to read something. And and that might even be the Bible or words of the Bible or a spiritual uh, book, something that one of your maybe our mentors or leaders that we know wrote. And then spiritual, I need to listen to God. For five or ten minutes. Now, what I talk about, I talk about investing maybe a half an hour there or something like that. I can listen to God while I'm walking, can I? You know, yeah. you learn kill two birds with one stone. There, that's it. So you can probably spend a half an hour just investing in the four little small goals, and we're going to yield benefit of that, John. Mm-hmm. So when we do, uh, that benefit is going to spill over as being addictive, as you said, and we're going to get more better results and. And again, we're going to want to do more of the things that give us better results. So it's, it's um, that's just where you start. So start somewhere small and make those commitments and don't waver. Make them non-negotiables in your life. That's good. That's good. And that, that's something that is it's, it's, it's attainable to anybody, no matter what, no matter how healthy you are, um, whether you've already been the uh, image of perfect health or you have been a couch potato for your whole life. You can do those those four things pretty simply, and you it's can't. a holistic approach. It's not just well, I got to get on the treadmill and I got to run five miles on day one. That's not going to happen. No. I've been trying to do that for a long time, and it just that's a whole different story. But uh, yeah, I just try to get back on whenever I get off the horse, so to speak. I try to do things to get back on without having to jump back to where I, where I was. Because if you try to say, hey, I've fallen off the horse and you try to get right back to where you were, you're going to end up hurting yourself. And I've done that. Um, I ended up screwing up my knees last year because I was trying to run too much. And uh, I was training for a a 5K. It's small, but it was something that I've never done before. So I was trying to do that. I ended up doing too much and not giving myself uh, time to rest. And I really hurt my knees. And then I had to stop completely. I couldn't run for Mm. about a month or so. I could walk and everything fine, but it was just painful. And it was because also rest is a part of what we need to do. It is. Because that's where the recovery is. You think about just the the common core things. We need to move more. We need to eat better. We need to rest better. And we need to manage stress. And we need to understand that God wants all of those things. And if we trust him for that, he'll give us the time, the ability, the resources to do those things, because that is his will for every single human being that's ever walked the face of the earth so far or to come. That's good. So, Dr. Mark, there's a couple questions that I always love to ask in this podcast, okay? And to go with the theme of the Emmaus Road, what has happened in your life that has showed you that Jesus was walking with you along the way, but you didn't realize it 
until you look back? Oh, I mean, even in the journey that I've, I've been through with the changing of career, I mean, who would have thought going from police officer to doctor? That doesn't even make sense. You know, you, you, no. you go into this thing and you think, you know, why, why, you know, I've thought many times, you know, even, even maybe four or five years ago, why was I a police officer? If God, if you want me to be a doctor, well, clearly, clearly, I know now he was with me and he kept me alive in times where I could have died, you know, I was in some mm-hmm. really hairy situations and, and saw a lot of death and saw people literally, I'm not saying this to shock people, but I saw people put guns to their head and blow their brains out right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Those images are shocking. You know, I questioned, God, where are you in this mess? You know, but I realized today, looking back on it, that that was no more and no less than a preparation ground to be able to look at a human being and see them not just as a physical being, but as a as a person with a soul, with emotions, with a heart, with wounds and trauma that 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 are, are unique to them that I can't understand. But I need to understand that everybody has those things in their life. And that is the root of Mm -hmm. all disease processes. And the roots are roots of spiritual brokenness. And I saw that in the police. I saw it so clearly in all the people I dealt with because I would deal with them in the worst possible situations that they could ever be in at that moment in time. And so that was just a preparation ground, John, for me the whole time to, to get me to this point so that I could really learn to listen to people because that's where the healing takes place in the listening and hearing. Yeah. Another question that I love asking is if you could talk to yourself in the past, you know, if you had a time machine, you can go back and visit young Mark and just give yourself some advice, sit down and have a a man to man with yourself. What's going on in that scene? And what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself and say, Mark, man, you got to, you got to let go of that pride. You got to let go of that pride, man, because that's going to pull you down. You're going to make bad decisions with that. And you got to understand that, that God has amazing plans for you. And he's not lying when he talks about Jeremiah 29, 11. It's not a lie. That's not a con. He's not just saying that to get you motivated. It's real. And if you'll trust him with all your heart and all of your life, having no pride, but get rid of self and just give up self Trust him with everything and think about him all day long, every day. Don't think that you can pray at the beginning of the time. Ten minutes is giving a little bit of a, a snippet of your life, and and that's good for the day. And don't think you can go to church one time a week and get your church on and be good. But Christianity and living for God is is not just a once a week thing or a little t- it's all the time 24 7 and to get the fullness of god into your life and the fullness of life into you from god you got to stop for a moment and realize that you are a chosen vessel and no one can do on this earth what i've called you to do hmm. and, and you don't need to take a back seat to anybody nor do you need to look too far up at people you just need to understand that that God has a plan for your life. And, and certainly I can look at my life right now and say those things, John, and it means the same now as it probably would have then. But then I didn't I didn't listen very good. And I, I, I wish people would uh, have the opportunity, like you just said, to look back at life like that. But frankly, in the scope of eternity, we probably can't, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, because that's always been and always will be. But uh, but that is a, a very interesting question, and that's what I would tell myself. Yeah, I always find that that's an interesting thing to just just to think about because, you know, we don't have that option to go mm-hmm. back and to tell our younger selves what we know now. And, that's right. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you know, there's always things that we wish we could have done better. But those things that have happened along the way in our life have set us up for where we are now. Yeah. And we can either learn from those things in the past or we can forget them and not learn from them. That's our choice. So you said something earlier, and I want to kind of pull back to this. You said, and I I appreciate you telling us about this story of how that notepad sat by your bed (laughs) and got dusty and the pen one day was just moved. First, I want to know, was that writing in your writing or was that something 
different. I think it was in my writing, but you don't remember writing it though. I don't remember writing it. It is yeah. it's the words of God because I mean, when I think about that time, I mean, it just it still causes a lot of emotion because it was just so so powerful and so freaky at the same time. It's like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And I never knew, you know, this is something that's really interesting. I never knew what that meant until I did it. You know, mm-hmm. I never knew what those words really meant until I began to try to walk those things out. And um, you just got to be ready when you walk things out. You're going to you're going to face some times where you like it's not easy is what I'm getting at. It's not going to be easy. You're going to face rejection. You're going to face um, condemnation. Sometimes you're going to face um, misunderstanding a lot. Sure. Um, and that's just part of it. And, um, you know, those words that God spoke to me still shake me up this day because, I mean, how is, um, you know, why would God pick me for that? Mm. <laughs> I mean, why? You know, yeah. uh, but then again, I don't really question that anymore. He did because he did. And that's fine. I have to sort of own that, you know, right? Mm-hmm. I have to accept that. And the more I can accept it, the more confidence. I can see because I'm allowing God to actually do what he's supposed to do, what he called me to do in his life, in my life, you know? Yeah. Now, kind of as a follow-up to that, as a way to to encourage people that are maybe sitting on a word that God gave them, because you said it, it was a year, almost a full year or yep. something like that, before you actually, you know, uh, acted upon that. Can you speak to somebody that feels like hey, God's been speaking to me to do something? I'm either afraid or I just don't know what to do. Can you minister to to somebody that needs to hear that message that might be in a similar spot as you were? Yes. If God spoke to you and you know it, don't wait because the delay will only cause great grief and pain in your own life. You talk about discomfort, you're going to have discomfort. And if you're sitting there right now or hearing where this the, the, the podcast here that, that you know God's told you to do something or step out in faith, you're going to be incredibly and increasingly uncomfortable if you don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. The second part of it is, hear me. I'm telling you from experience, when you reach out, it's not going to be easy, but the reward is great. I'll say that one more time. It's not going to be easy, but the reward is great. The reward is not always tracked by finances on the earth. We must get rid of that. The reward is always tracked by that inner knowing, the inner peace that you did exactly what God calls you to do. And there is a satisfaction, there's a contentment behind that that can only be explained when you do it. So mm-hmm. find the contentment and find the joy after you take the action. Take the action and you'll find out God's will unfold more and more and more and more and more. And don't, and I repeat, don't allow fear, anxiety, uncertainty, the the hows, stop you from stepping forward. If God calls you to do it, as the old saying goes, where God guides, he will provide. That is true. If you know God spoke to you, trust his word fully. Don't back away. Full steam ahead. Go for it. Amen. That's a good word. You know, Dr. Mark, we're in a unique time in our history of a nation right now. Yep. And with your history in law enforcement, like you said, you've been on the streets, uh, you've been on in the SWAT unit, you've taught other guys. As a former law enforcement officer, what is going on in the minds of police officers right now? Because I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, these guys are really putting themselves in harm's way well beyond what they signed up for. I, I just want to hear your thoughts about kind of what's going on right now and, and what's the Christian response from a police officer's perspective? I think Christians need to step up, quite frankly, John, quite honestly. I don't – Christians need to be examples of what to do. Saying nothing, doing nothing is making a decision to stand for nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, that's a strong urging that I'm saying to Christian leaders, step up. Um, don't placate violence. Don't acquiesce and say nothing because violence is never going to solve anything. I do believe that police officers, government officials, 
other leaders from other entities are called by God to represent things and causes. I believe that there needs to be rules. There needs to be um, laws in our system. Uh, that's why, you know, God brought a law through Moses. It shows us mm-hmm. what wrong is. So I think we need to have that. There are men and women that are called to enforce those laws. We're called to pray for them. We're called to lift them up. We're called to encourage them in every organization. Doesn't matter if it's law enforcement we all have the tendencies and capabilities. Like I said earlier, I'm capable of anything, both good and bad. People are going to make mistakes. I hate that. I don't like that. I don't like when I make mistakes. We need to learn to understand that mistakes can get made. Errors can get made. Mm-hmm. But nobody understands, and I want to make clear, unless you've walked in those shoes, unless you've strapped a gun on and put a vest on and wore a badge and live with that 24 hour concept of trying to protect and serve. I'm not knocking people. I want to be very cautious and sensitive with what I'm saying. You can't have an opinion at that point that is fully viable. You can't because it's like you, you've never done that before. Hmm. You've never have. And I highly encourage people to stop, step back and just pray. Just pray. People that have, a concern about law enforcement, great. I respect that. Communicate peacefully. Communicate accurately from the heart. And we need to talk about things and learn to listen to each other's side and create remedy. Mm-hmm. Now, create remedy, create unity once again. Problems only get solved when there's disagreements. And I think disagreements are good in a sense. If we just would utilize the disagreement to express people's opinions with the intent to try to bring unity. Mm -hmm. I'm troubled by what's happening in our world, John. I really am. I'm saddened by it all. And I think we can do better. And I would say I'd challenge the believers to step up, Christian leaders to step up and try to create unity and not pick sides and do all this stuff, because that's not the point. That will solve nothing. We need the Lord's hand at work in our lives right now more than ever. And we all have to be willing vessels. I would hope whoever hears this to stop where you are, not political, not agenda driven, nothing to stop and say, and say, God, whatever it takes, let my mind, let my heart equate to yours. I want the mind of Christ. I want the heart of God. I want to have a heart of repentance. Don't talk about our people. I want to have the heart of the heart of God, the mind of Christ, and a heart of repentance. That's what we need to do right now. If we all stop and do that as individual believers, God will honor that. And he'll show himself worthy, he'll show himself mighty, and he will be glorified through this time. Amen. Amen. You know, yesterday as I was driving to church, and we're recording this uh, Monday in the middle of June, and uh, yesterday as I, was, as I was driving to church, I drove by a police officer who was in a parking lot in his vehicle, and I felt led of the Lord to turn around. And I, so I, I did. I, I went back and parked a few spaces away from him, slowly got out of my car and just walked over to him and just told him, thank you for what you are doing. I know you're doing the best that you can. Yeah. And I want you to know that I'm praying for you and I appreciate you. And I asked if I could pray for him right there. Good. After I did that, he said, Nobody's ever done that for me before. Mm. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I gave him my information and everything, but I just was like, I appreciate what you're doing, what you're, what you've signed up to do. And he, he said, you know, this is, this is what we signed up for. And I'm like, that's, that's really a tough thing. That's a really difficult thing. And um, I just said, I appreciate you. And I, I prayed for him, you know, as I left that and I continued on my way to church I felt the peace of God stronger than I had than I have had in weeks. Yep. Just flood my heart. And there's horror stories that are making the news. Yeah. But then there's great men and women that are wearing the badge that are doing everything that they can to help bring peace and to help just help bring peace to this to this world, to protect and serve. That's what they're trying to do. And racism is never good. Never, ever good, whether it's white to black, black to white or anybody to blue. You know, like if you just if you just lump somebody up in 
what they look like, then you've got a problem and the problem is with you. That's right. I just want to take a moment right here and I'll let you respond to this, but this is something that I, I say frequently whenever I get the chance. But if you don't know who you are in Christ and you don't know where your value comes from, you're not going to see value in other people. And I'm just sharing this to any to everybody that's listening. If you don't know who you are in Christ, then you're not going to believe that somebody else is who Jesus says that they are in Christ either. And we need to keep in mind that Jesus died for you. Jesus died for that person as well. If you don't look at each other with love and respect and that everybody is an image bearer of God, then it's easy to look down at somebody else that looks a little bit different or acts a little bit different. But we need to continue to look at people as they are image bearers of God. When you do that, that'll change the way that you look at people. And they will no longer just be a nameless, faceless person. They hmm. will be somebody that God loves, and you you respect that, you acknowledge that, and you admire that they are who God made them to be, just like he has made you to be. Well said, and I, I think we need to understand you know, that hurting people want to hurt people. Yeah. And it goes back to, I had something like that happen when... Um, all those planes flew into the building on 9-11. I remember where I was, and and I was mad. And I had hate, and I was a law enforcement officer then, of course. And But then it, it hit me like a ton of bricks one day, and I can't tell you exactly when this happened, but it was it was this reality that, that God loved at that moment in time, at that very moment in time when all those people died. He loved Osama bin Laden as much as me. I thought, oh, my God, you know, how did that, mm-hmm. how could that be? You know, but that's the truth, because his will for Osama bin Laden's life was the same as this for me that 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 person would repent and follow Christ. You know, that's reality, and um, I think that it goes back as well to to Matthew twenty two thirty nine, like we talked about earlier, loving your neighbor as yourself. We can't exhibit love until we understand how much God loves us. That while we were yet sinners. In Romans, Christ died for us. Exactly. We were at our worst. When we're at our worst, he's at his best. But we all potentially could be at our worst anytime. So let's understand that those of us that have a relationship with Christ realize who we are, realize the kingdom we represent, and realize that because we're not from here, we need to act like we're not from here. Love people like they've never been loved. Love people in a way they can't understand. Love people in a way that Jesus loved people while they're crucifying and dying to the cross. Man, we all had a part of that where he looked at people, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I think yeah. it all goes to back to that same spot, as you said. we got to learn to understand how important we all are in the eyes of God. Incredibly important. He can look at all of us, John. He can say, you, John, you, Mark, are my favorite. He can do that. I can't. He can, which is kind of cool, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, Dr. Mark, you know, we're we're in this space right now talking about God's love for us, you know, and there might be somebody out there that's listening that they don't know Jesus's love for us. Would you introduce them? Yeah, clearly. Uh, friend, I just want you to know, man, I mean, sin is sin. We talk about this all the time. You know, no one had to teach you. No one had to teach me how to lie, cheat, and steal. We learned that automatically. That's sin. The Bible is clear about if we break one sin, we broke it all. In other words, we're a lawbreaker. So you and I have this thing in common as human beings, any mortal has broken the law. Therefore, we are lawbreakers. And that's something we have is a very human nature inside of us. And unfortunately, that has a penalty. It has a penalty because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But Jesus came to this earth to die and pay that price for us. Not that we would continue to sin or wouldn't, but he said, you know what? I can, if they'll accept this, if if you'll accept this in your life, Jesus says, the price that I paid counts for you too. In other words, I died for your sin. That's what he's saying for you. And he's saying that no matter what consequence you think you have, I'm taking it away because I'm providing a way for you to be where I am. So that's why Jesus died he went to the cross and died, and he rose again for three days so we could have life and not have to pay the penalty of sin, which is death. And that death is not just physical death. It's an eternal separation from God. 
living away from God. God wants us to be with him, just like Jesus was with him. And the only way to do that is to allow Jesus to be the person who paid for our sin. And then God can look at us. And even when we start getting accused of stuff, well, you did this. Jesus says, nope, nope, I paid for that too. Nope, I paid for that too. Nope, I paid for that too. And then God looks at all of us through that blood of Jesus. And he says, you know, you, John, you, Mark, you, Jim, you, Bobby, you, Sue, you, Sheila, you're perfect. And that's how God describes everybody listening here. He describes you as perfect. Once we say, Jesus, be Lord of my life, just give it all up to him. And when we do, we believe that he died, rose again, and he's alive. Come on. That's all it is. It's just he will deposit faith in your heart, immeasurable. He'll deposit grace in your life, immeasurable. And his mercy, it's unfathomable. So I just mm. trust that you know people out there will, will hear that and, and seek him. Seek him and you'll find him. He'll show up in a big way in your life. Would you pray for that person right now? Yeah. Father God, I thank you so much. And I pray for, you know, you're out there now, friend, and you're, you're hurting, you're wounded, you're, you're mad, you're pissed off, you're beat up, you're bitter, you're broken. Great. You're the perfect person God wants. Mm. Right now, I just encourage you right now, friend, to just stop wherever you are. Just stop and say, Jesus, I believe who you are. I hear you speaking to me, and I know you love me. I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose again, and I believe you're alive today. And I just ask you to show me right now how much you love me. I don't have it figured out. I'm not going to have it figured out. I know you're going to show me the way. So i just going to completely just trust you and say, you can have my life. And I'm not going to back away anymore. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you that you're alive. And I thank you that after today, on forward right now, that I have life too because of you. So I just trust you with my whole life. Just do that right now, friend. Just say that out loud. And I promise you, just as Jesus changed my life, he'll change your life too. And I thank you for listening to the broadcast today and all that because it truly is God speaking to you. So you're in the right place. Best days ahead. Amen. Amen. Well, Dr. Mark, how does somebody find out more about you and your ministry? And uh, if they just want to find out more about what you're doing, how do they connect with you? So they can go to our website, John. It's, it's www.fmidr.com. FMIDR.com. That tells all about our clinic, what we do, what we do uh, services-wise. We have really, we serve people all over the country and all over the world, so distance is not an issue. Mm-hmm. We're just here to be a blessing for people and to encourage them. And, um, you know, if people want to seek out our services, they certainly can. But I ask you most importantly to pray for us and, um, yeah. and become a hope dealer like us as well. Very good. Last question. What is a yeah. life verse that you have that you just want to leave us with? Oh, I certainly, um, I look at the one in uh, Romans where I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the peace and the faith that sets me free. I am not ashamed. I'm not going to be ashamed of that. It's, it's, it's so important that we stand firm in our principles um, in that. And I think it's important that we, we don't back away from that at all because the times are tough right now. And it'll try to get you to change your mind, you know, to change your alignment, to, to get, out, get in step with someone else. But stay right there and don't be ashamed of the gospel because it is the thing that sets you free. Amen. Amen. Well, Dr. Mark, I appreciate your friendship yeah. and uh, the fact that we've been able to to stay in touch a little bit uh, over the years and uh, look forward to the next time we can actually have you in person at the studio here up in Pittsburgh. Thank you so much for allowing me to join you along your way. John, I appreciate you having me. Thank you again. It's an honor to be here with you. You know, I do find it a little funny that in an episode where I'm talking to a health expert, I'm sponsored by an ice cream company, but I want to let you know that Dr. Mark said that it's okay to have ice cream, don't let it rule your life, and don't let it become an addiction. So he wasn't too upset with me for having an ice cream sponsor. I just wanted to get that out there. As Dr. Mark and I talked about his along the way journey, I really appreciate his four daily goals in physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual areas. No matter how comfortable you are with setting goals and attaining them, those four areas, physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual, 
Those areas are good to do something in every single day. Challenge yourself even to do a little bit more. Try something today and then add a little bit more for tomorrow. That is an easy way to start setting goals. And when you achieve the goals that you've set, you'll feel that you've accomplished something. And it makes it easier to set up a goal and then to follow through with it the next day. That's a way that you can make a pivot to a healthier lifestyle. Also, I want to give you a challenge. Just like God spoke to me to go back and to talk to that police officer and pray for him. I want to encourage you to do that as well. Our law enforcement officers are doing the best that they can to protect and serve. And some of them do better than others, obviously. But the Bible tells us to pray for those in leadership, to pray for our governmental leaders, to pray for those who are in authority, whether you like them or not. These are people that are trying to lead our communities in the best way that they can. So pray for them. If you have the opportunity, let them know that you're praying for them as well. I'll be providing a link for Dr. Sherwood's information in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please share this episode with a friend who you think will be encouraged by this podcast. Also, please rate and review Along the Way on iTunes. That will help more people discover Along the Way. And subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at my website, alongtheway.media. I hope that you've enjoyed this part of my journey, and may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way. Thank you.